together. We were singing that song, It's Your Breath in My Lungs, and I pour out my praise to you. There was just this, this sense today that some people came to declare that He is sovereign, that He is Lord, and that everything we are belongs to Him. And I just sense His presence here this morning, don't you? The Seder coming up, we, we mentioned that just a few minutes ago, and I, I, I was looking at the screen and realized that, you know, it said, my email. Now, if you put my email, you're not going to get an email. You need to really put your email address in there. So... If, if you text it and you put my email instead of your personal email, please go back to your phone, change that so we can make sure and send you a confirmation email. But are you ready for some word today? Grab your source of scripture, turn with me to Psalm chapter 128. You know, over this past month, Pastor Jared has been sharing this series of messages about I lead. Some biblical principles concerning what occurs when we step up. We begin to lead in our personal lives, in our families, etc. So this morning, I just want to put the icing on the cake, if I may, and show you a passage of Scripture that talks about the leadership blessing. In fact, just to get the creative juices flowing this morning, if you had one word that could describe you, only use one word. What would that word be? Write it down real quick in your notes. Now, for some of us, it may be easy. We may already be thinking of, of a particular word or even a few words that we could write down about describing who we are. For some of us, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult. But I want to ask you to consider a word that perhaps you've never thought about. And that's the word blessed. I'm blessed today. Would somebody just say, I'm blessed? I'm blessed. We're, we're a blessed people this morning. And as we learn to step up and lead, there is a flow of God's blessing that begins to occur in our lives. There's a channel of blessing that begins to happen. And in Psalm chapter 128, we read about that. And I want to just ask you right now to stand, if you would, to reverence the reading of God's Word, and then we'll let you be seated for the next several minutes. But I'm reading from the New King James Version, and if you don't have that version with you in your Bible, would you just read it with me on the screens this morning? Let's begin together. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, May your children, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm 
so honored to stand here today as a representative of your kingdom to share the mighty power of your word and how it changes our lives. It's not by our might or by our power, but it's by your spirit. Lord, you want us to be a blessed people. You want us to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming, blessed going, blessed from above and not beneath. You have blessing for us today. And I want to pray right now that this chapter, this psalm, will be quickened in our hearts and made alive as we understand your channel, your flow of blessing to us and those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. You may be seated this morning. Let's begin with the first part of this chapter, very first verse. Let's just do a Bible study. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Now, as we look at this chapter, we're going to see a progression that begins to happen from verse 1 all the way through verse 6. But it starts with us as individuals. I'm blessed. I'm a blessed leader. In fact, would you just say that after me? Blessed leader. Starts with us. In fact, the word blessing here in the Hebrew is the word asher, which literally means to advance in a straight line. So when we fear the Lord, we're not distracted, we're not taking detours, we're advancing quickly and we're advancing in a straight line. Now I know sometimes we can look at the word fear and it can be fearful. But here the word is not referring to trembling in fear or being frightened or being scared. What the psalmist is saying to us is when we fear God, we take him seriously. We reverence him. We place him in a position of utmost respect. So gain the context of what the psalmist is saying Advancing in a straight line is everyone who takes God seriously and not casually. Isn't that powerful today? Begins with God, it ends with God. I'll tell you, a few weeks ago I was driving down the I-5 and I saw a police car sitting along the side of the road. Immediately I changed my footwork. I looked at my odometer, I mean, I I knew I was going a little bit too fast, Uh, I I just, I realized, okay, I gotta just, I just gotta bring it down a notch, pass the police car, headed on down the road, and I have to admit, after about a mile down the road, I went back to my original speed. But it was at that moment, when I saw the police car, that I made a decision to change what I was doing. Because I took him seriously. You know where I'm going with this, right? When we begin to take God seriously, it impacts the way we live our lives. Our decision-making processes. Those things in our lives on a continuous, on a daily basis, we know that he's watching us. And out of respect for his mandates out of respect for his laws, out of, his, out of respect for his speed limits, we decide to change our course 
of action. Now here's the problem, is, is that sometimes when we think he's not watching, we want to go right back to what we were previously doing. And we lose that respect and that fear for the Lord. I, I know that retailers have learned the idea that most of us want to buy things on sale, right? So when you're walking by a store, store-wide sale, 50% off, 70% off, they've learned the idea that all of us want a shortcut or something that we can purchase on sale without it being full price. Well, I've got to tell you this morning that when it comes to the kingdom of God and, and our sovereign God, we, we can't buy him for half price. <laughs> We've got to pay full price. The Bible says if we follow him, it's going to cost us something to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. But here's the good news. The closer we get to God, the more we're blessed. So we may be paying full price, but the closer we are to Him, we're experiencing a full life, an abundant life, an eternal life. Everyone who takes God seriously and walks in His ways is blessed. Can I get a witness today? Verse 2, let's keep going. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Now we begin to see the next step, the progression of Psalm 128, that blessing begins with us, the blessed leader, but then it flows to this idea of the blessed laborer or the blessed worker. Let me give you a real quick synopsis, theology concerning work. Did you know when God created work, it was actually created as a blessing? In fact, God placed Adam in the garden and said, Adam, I want you to tend this garden. I want you to take care of it. Name the animals. I mean, this garden was pure and pristine. He didn't have to use a weed eater. I mean, this was a, a beautiful place. It was a blessing. In fact, work was created before sin. Work did not become a curse until after the original sin. Work originally was a blessing. But God begins to tell us, and I'll read for you what God says to, to man in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will reproduce thorns and thistles for you. Which, by the way, how many know sometimes now the thorns and thistles really aren't what we're doing, it's who we're working with. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. When sin came into the world, work moved from a blessing to a curse. That's why some of us will say, you know, I, I hate my job. I, I, my job is meaningless. I wish I, I had a different job. It's that curse that was created when sin entered culture. Work became resistant to our hands, to our labor. But now, let me finish 
the framework of theology. Because if we stop right there, we miss the entire picture of what God created work to be. It started out as a blessing. It became a curse. But when Jesus came, he not only redeemed mankind, but he redeemed work. So now we're not going off to work thinking to ourselves, I hate my job. We can go off to work thinking to ourselves, I'm going to work for the Lord today. You see the, the change of perspective. If, if you're heading off to work thinking, you know, I, I, I'm going off to the office to work or I, I, I'm heading off to build my business, you're missing the whole purpose and reason, the blessing, the leadership blessing of what God created work to be in your life. You should be heading off to think uh, and saying to yourself, I'm going to work for the Lord today. I'm not just going to do something of earthly significance. I'm going to do something of eternal significance today. You may be paid by that office, but you're working for the Lord. You may be paid by that business, but you're working for the Lord. You may be paid by that health provider, but you are working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. The quickest way to turn a bad job into a good job is to change your perspective and know who you're working for. So God changed with His coming the redemption of work in our lives. It's like the the two guys who were on a construction job and another guy came walking by and he asked one of the guys, what are you doing? He said, ah, you know, I'm laying bricks. And he looked at the other guy and he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a cathedral. It's perspective. Are we laying bricks or are we building a cathedral? Are we working for the Lord or are we working for ourselves? Blessed. Blessed, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Verse 3, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Did you know your house has a heart? Let's keep the progression here. The blessed leader, the blessed laborer. Number three, the blessed family. Say it after me, the blessed family. Your house has a heart. It has a spirit. It has an atmosphere and a climate. For the most part, I, I can probably walk into your house and sense the spirit or the heart of your home. And here we have a particular picture of this fruitful vine around the table and these olive plants. And, and I love the idea of the olive plants because an olive plant grows to be a full-blown olive tree in about 15 years. So cultivating the olive plants is not an overnight endeavor. It is a continuous investment in the lives of our children. We're constantly cultivating the olive plants. We're constantly creating table time. I I love this idea of of the table. Your children, like olive plants, 
all around your table. When the psalmist wrote this, it was, it was important for him, not because it was a place for food, but it was important because it became a place for developing a moral compass, a spiritual direction in the lives of the children. And I wonder today in our culture here in the 21st century, how often we are nurturing table time. And I know all of us are busy and we're working jobs and and our kids are in sports and athletics and everybody's going different directions. And through the process of of what we're seeing here in, in the Psalms, we begin to lose sight of our responsibility to create a heart in our home. It's like the the mom who looked at her son laying on the couch and she said to her son, son, would you please get up and take out the garbage? And the son said, mom, I'm so tired. Would you just please not ask me to do anything right now? To which the mom responded, if tired was an excuse for inactivity, you would not have breakfast, You would not have lunch and dinner. You would not have clean clothes. If tired was a criteria for inactivity, I would have got rid of you the day after you were born. So if if tired is a criteria for inactivity... You need to just get on up and find somebody else's house because in this house, tired is not an excuse for laziness or inactivity. Can I get a witness? Just talking about a little moral compass, a little guidance. And I know today some of us can look at this verse and, and, and we realize that this is not the picture of some of our homes. Some of us have some very challenging situations in our homes. Brokenness. It doesn't look like verse 3. I'll never forget sitting down with a, a man who just began to weep profusely and, and tell me about his, his family, how it was broken beyond imagination. Separation, divorce, uh, accused, falsely accused of child abuse. Everything falling apart. And as I began to talk with him and and share with him the love of Christ, he ended up becoming the first person in his family tree that he could ever think about who accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I said to him, I said, listen, I know what your family looks like right now, but you can be a part of changing the picture and changing the pattern of your home. And he started, yeah, a spiritual journey at that moment that began to change the legacy of his family. And today, he is a godly man with a godly family. And he's changed the pattern of his home and he's being blessed. Never forget uh, thinking about Uh, One Sunday last year, 2014, June the 1st, we just had my mom and dad come and 
spend a couple of days with us. My son Garrett uh, was 18 years old, celebrated his birthday. So my mom and dad came and, and actually Tanner and Garrett, uh, Pastor Jared's son Tanner, they have the same birthday. So Garrett turned 18 and Tanner turned 17. And I, I was thinking about my mom and dad and all of the times they spent providing a moral compass creating a heart in our home. My dad's pastored the same church for 31 years. My mom is a missionary to Africa. My brother Jared and and, and Brian in, in ministry. One Sunday, June the 1st in 2014, three generations of the Ming family were preaching in six different cities preaching the the Word of God in six different cities across the country. And I thought, it's because I had a mom and a dad who decided to change the picture, decided to spend a little table time. I tell you, just about every day, I'm praying this prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for my family. I pray, cover them with your blood. Let your guardian angels encamp around about them. Let your spirit rise up within them. God, I I pray by your spirit that you will help them to be humble in their successes and strong in their weaknesses. God, I pray that even now you'll prepare their companions in calling to walk alongside of them in ministry. God, I pray that you will help them to be a voice for their generation and their time. Prepare them, position them, and propel them forward in ministry. May we become a godly family who makes a worldwide difference. And I'll just begin to pray those things over my family because I realize there is a blessing that comes when you create a heart and an atmosphere and a climate in your home that propels you forth in victory through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 4, are you getting something this morning? Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now I know we might just want to run right through that verse and think that's the same basic idea of verse 1. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. But did you know the word blessed here is a different Hebrew word? It's translated blessed in English. But in the Hebrew, it's the word berak, which is the word with the root of to kneel in surrender or position yourself before God for blessing. It's not the idea of advancing in a straight line. It's the idea of of humbling yourself before God, positioning yourself before God because you take Him seriously, knowing that He will bless you. So the first three verses set up verse 4. Actually, verse 4 is the summary of the first three verses. That if we're experiencing blessing as an individual and blessing as a laborer and blessing as a family, that we have now positioned ourselves to take God seriously, to encounter and experience His glory and blessing in our lives. But then we hear the words, blessed are you as you are in Zion, blessed out of Zion. And we look at the word Zion, and Zion literally is the word for church. Let me read that specifically. 
blessed the Lord bless you, the Lord bless you out of Zion. In the Old Testament, Zion meant several things. Zion meant a mountain, the mountain of the great king. Zion meant a city, the city of David or Jerusalem. But Zion also meant the abiding place of God, the temple of God. When the children of Israel would go to Jerusalem, to the mountain, uh, the Jerusalem, the city of the great king, they would take their children because they were going to encounter the presence of God and receive not just a moment to to engage with God, but a God assignment to reflect Him everywhere they went. So parents were teaching their children that it was important to realize that they were a part of something bigger, a God assignment to reflect God in culture. In the New Testament, Zion then began to change from a place, the city of the great king, the the city of Jerusalem, the mountain, the, 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 the temple, to a people. Literally, Zion today is the church, big C. We are a part of Zion. We represent the blessing of God in Zion. That's why we need one another. That's why... All of us are in this together. Romans 12 and 5 says, So in Christ, we who are many, form one body, and each member, look at this, belongs to all the others. Wow. I belong to you. You belong to me. We're together in this. We don't come to this place, Higher Vision Church, just to worship and hear a good word from God. We come to receive a God assignment to reflect Him everywhere we go. And we belong in that process together. That's why a Christian without a church family is a contradiction. Somebody ought to write that one down or tweet it or something. A Christian without a church family is a contradiction. Kobe Bryant doesn't just play basketball. He plays on a team. The Los Angeles Lakers, I think it's still a team anyway. He plays. He plays on a team. Clayton Kershaw just doesn't play baseball. He plays on the Los Angeles Dodgers. He plays on a team. If you play the tuba, you just don't play tuba. You play in a band. I mean, can you see a tuba player out in a marching band at the halftime of a football game, out there by himself? And he's out there just marching. No, because a tuba player is part of a band. As Christians, we're not just out there on our own. We are part of a team. We belong to one another. We connect with one another. There's something bigger going on than just what we know ourselves. Come on, somebody. When in Ezekiel 37, you know it's the passage of the dry bones. Dry bones, dead bones everywhere. 
what caused the bones to begin to live? Well, first of all, the Bible says God, He breathed and the bones began to connect. Ankle bone connected to the knee bone, knee bone connected to the hip bone. They didn't connect to the same bone. Oh, I know, I know some of you want to connect to the same bone, don't you? You want to find that person that looks just like you and acts just like you want to be the ankle bone connecting to an ankle bone and you want to be the knee bone connecting to the knee bone. You, you want to just find someone like you, right? Because when you come into the church house, you, if you're educated, you're looking for educated. If you're rich, you're looking rich. If you're young, you're looking young. If you're old, you're looking old. If you're black, you're looking black. Hispanic, Hispanic, Asian, white, whatever you are, you're looking for somebody just like you, right? Because that's the way the church is supposed to be. No, the ankle bone doesn't connect to the ankle bone. The knee bone doesn't connect to the knee bone. The church of the living God is not about finding somebody that looks just like me. It's about finding someone who doesn't look like me that I can connect to and become someone that impacts culture and life. Oh, I know you think I'm white. I, I know you look at me and you say, hey, he's a white guy up there. Look at him. But I'm not really white. Because I have a multicolor, multiculture God living on the inside of me. So... There's some other cultures living on the inside of me. There's some other people living. Sometimes I I like to preach my message. I like to just preach a little bit and I just give a little bit more because the anointing of God, I just that black coming out in me. And sometimes there's some Hispanic on the inside of me and, and some Asian just like my name suggests. Somebody said, well, I was expecting a Chinese man. Well, I am. I'm Chinese on the inside. I've got a multicolor, multiculture God living on the... I'm telling you, color is so overrated. God doesn't care whether you're green, yellow, pink, or purple. What he... What he cares about is that you're looking like him and acting like him and becoming like him and walking like him and talking like he wants to rule and reign on the inside of you. And when he does, you become a multicolor, multiculture person all in the inside of you. The Lord bless you out of Zion. Blessing comes when we understand the world may try to highlight our differences, but the church is here to highlight what unites us. 
Hell tries to keep us apart. Heaven tries to bring us together. Did you know just by being here today in this place, you are positioning yourself for blessing. You are humbling yourself in the presence of God. You are positioning yourself. God chooses not to change anything until He talks to the church. The church is God's vehicle for change. If God's going to change the world, guess who He talks to? The church. When God's going to change Santa Clarita, guess who He talks to first? The church, big C. When when, when God's going to wreak havoc on the enemy, guess who He talks to first? He talks to the church. The Lord bless you out of Zion. Look what happens as a result. Let's bring this to a close. And may you see the good of Jerusalem. There's the city. All the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. There's the nation. See the progression? Bless leader. Bless labor. Bless family. Bless church. Bless city. And bless nation. We, we keep talking about we keep talking about change in our world and we never realize there's a progression that has to happen for us to change our world. If we're messed up and have messed up jobs, then we have a messed up family. If we have a messed up family, then we have a messed up church. If we have a messed up church, then we have a messed up city. If we have a messed up city, we have a messed up nation. If we have a messed up nation, we have a messed up world. But if we are blessed leaders with blessed jobs, then we have blessed families. And if we have blessed families, then we have a blessed church. And if we have a blessed church, then we have a blessed city. And if we have a blessed city, we have a blessed nation. And if we have a blessed nation, we have a blessed world. But it starts with some leadership here. At the beginning of the message, I ask you to write down a word that describes you. I hope by the time you leave this place this morning, you'll say, I'm blessed. Some of you may have put down some positive things, loving, loyal, joyous. Some of us may have written down some negatives, frustrated, confused, discouraged. But I want you to know that God's here to change the picture change the pattern wherever you're at in your spiritual journey this morning you can begin to position yourself for blessing I love the the movie Superman my son Garrett's all into superheroes and so every time an Avenger movie comes out or Marvel uh, Avengers or whatever we're, we're going to see it I love the Superman movies you know Superman came from Krypton brought a little of Krypton to earth I was thinking about that and I realized as Christ followers it's time we start bringing a little bit of what's up there down here start praying your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven I don't know is there is there enough proof at your job 
to convict you of being a Christian? Or are you still in the closet? Everybody else is coming out of the closet. We might as well come out of the closet as Christ followers. proof to convict you of being a Christian, a Christ follower at work, who you working for. What's the heart of your home look like? Is, is something going on to shape that heart in your home? I want somebody at work to look at you show up and, and say, who in the world is that? It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a Christ follower from Higher Vision Church. Clark Kent was a geek until he entered the phone booth. Somebody needs to enter the phone booth today. Oh, I I know that's a little funny, but something's rising up in my spirit that somebody needs to get in in the secret place, in the phone booth and say, God, change me. Change me. Change my life. Change my job, change my family, change me. Somebody needs to get in that quiet place until something happens within you and you walk out blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed. Somebody needs to come out different than Clark Kent.